think we'll need to cut short tonight. Matter of fact, I feel like I could talk for a really long time. <laughs> you say amen now, but we'll see. Uh, let's just go ahead and pick up at verse 12. The main text that we're going to be looking at is verses 20 through 24. But I, I believe that we need to get into it. And again, I don't remember where we left off last time, but we do need to set this foundation. And so in verse 12 of Mark chapter 11, it says, Now the next day when they had come out from Bethany, he was hungry. The he here is the Lord. He has just experienced his triumphal entry. And he sees the state of the nation, even backing up into verse 11. And Jesus went into Jerusalem and into the temple. So when he had looked around at all the things... As the hour was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. So it's, it's the next day, as it says in verse 12, and now he's coming back into Jerusalem. And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. In response, Jesus said to it, Let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. We're going to see that this fig tree actually was cursed and it was dried up. And so you look at this fig tree and what's the problem with the fig tree? It just said here, well, Jesus wanted fruit, but it was not the season for fruit. Well, it's not a lesson in fig trees and when fig trees give fruit, but it's the picture of the fig tree and what it represents. A fig tree will represent either the church or it will represent Israel. In this particular case, it's representing Israel and What is Israel to do? Well, it is to be healthy. The leaves would be a sign of the health for that tree. And so a a fig tree that had these green leaves and whatnot would be a healthy tree, but also its job was to produce fruit. But it just says here, it's not the season for it. Well, again, you have to bring it into the arena of Israel. Because, well, the Lord knows that it's not the season for Israel. Matter of fact, when we get to the book of Acts, we're going to see that the gospel goes out to the Gentiles, and it does so in force. And if we look at Romans chapter 11, we see when that season is going to be. It's going to be a future event that God's attention is going to turn fully back towards nation Israel during the time of tribulation, but also through the millennial rule age. That's going to be its season. And so the idea here is, is Jesus is just days before his crucifixion. As we see Messiah crucified, we need to understand the events that are going on after that. And we are understanding these things through some of the pictures that the Lord gives us. He's going to be rejected by his own people. And because of that, his own people are going to be cursed. 70 AD, Jerusalem is going to be destroyed and it's going to be wiped out. And so as we see these things that are happening, these are things that were prophesied. The Lord understood that these things would happen. Now, Israel and the temple and all that's going on, Herod's temple was very grand and very glorious. It was like this fig tree that looked really good, but they weren't producing fruit. Matter of fact, we saw just in verse 11, Jesus is looking around at the situation, and it's not a good situation. Verse 15 So they came to Jerusalem, then Jesus went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he would not allow anyone to carry wares through the temple. Then he taught, saying to them, Is it not written that my house shall be called a house of prayer 
for all nations, but you have made it a den of thieves. And so you, you can tie these two together, this fig tree and what we're looking at here in the temple, and basically you see the same thing coming to pass. Verse 18, And the scribes and the chief priests heard it and sought how they might destroy him, for they feared him because of all the people were astonished at his teaching. When evening had come, he went out of the city. So the problem was, it was required by God for the Jews to come into Jerusalem and at that place, at the temple, to offer the sacrifice. Well, the Sadducees were actually the ones who had taken control of the temple. And they realized that this could be, instead of a sacrificial bull, a cash cow for them. And what they were doing is, okay, so you come empty-handed to the temple, or even if they brought a sacrifice, they would have one of the priests examine the sacrifice and reject the sacrifice, saying that it was not good enough. And so as they would approach, they would not have a sacrifice any longer, or if they came empty-handed, they would not have a sacrifice. We just so happen to have a sacrifice for you. And so they were, and actually because they've spoken of the the doves here in, in verse 15, that's actually the sacrifice of a poor person. And so what they would do is say, okay, we have this dove that you can buy from us. And so they kind of had the people over the barrel. But it wasn't good enough just for them to buy the dove. They had to first take the money that they had and get, change it into the temple money. So in actuality, what they were doing is they had to buy the temple money in order to buy the dove. And so those who were in control were cutting the fat cow two ways. They, they were making money hand over fist, and this is what vexed the Lord. This place is to be a house of prayer for all nations. Well, they weren't allowing the Gentiles and the Jews that were coming, especially the poor people, they were taken advantage of. And so this vexed the heart of the Lord to such a degree that he went in and he cleansed the temple. Well, it says that they were seeking how they may destroy him. Why? What is he doing? He's cutting into their means of making money. And that's where their concern was. And they were concerned about him riling up the people. I think I pointed it out last week that one of the things that the Lord did when something... When, when something caught his attention that, that caused the righteous anger to well up inside of him, something that we would all do well to consider. Because again, in verse 11, he went out, and what did he do? He saw what was going on, and he slept on it. He didn't just act out in anger. We are, it's okay to be angry, but we are to not sin in the midst of our anger. Pretty much any time a person acts out on the spur of the moment in anger, it's never a good thing. And so Jesus came back into the temple. I'm sure he was well intending what he was going to do, thought it out, and then followed through and made his point here. Then we enter into verse 20. We're going to look at this section of Scripture, and what we're going to see is the Lord's lesson on fervent faith. That word fervent could be also translated excited, and it can also be translated hot or faith on fire. Verses 20 through 24, we'll be spending quite a bit of time here. It says, Now in the morning as they passed by, so this would be the next day, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. 
For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you may receive them, and you will have them. Verse 25, I'll read to verse 26. And whatever you... And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you your trespasses. And so the first thing, the first point that I want to look at is in verses 20 and 21. This fig tree was dried up for the roots. And so what we need to see, again, this is Israel apart from faith in God. It's, well, they're in faith in themselves and seeking after what they're able to gather for themselves. But as far as this fig tree, it says that it was dried up for the roots. If you want to have fervent faith, you've got to exercise proper root care. And what I mean by that, roots, the root system of a plant is where it draws up its nourishment in order to, in order to build a strong plant. At this time, Israel has become very spiritually dry, and it's exemplified through this plant. But the roots, and, and this is kind of a key, the roots are the secret part of the plant. It's that secret part of the plant that nobody really gets to see. And, and bringing this into our faith, in order to have a fervent faith, am I taking in the proper nutrients that are necessary that I would be strengthened in the Lord? Well, I have to, again, examine the roots, that part that nobody sees. Am I spending time in God's Word? Am I spending personal time in God's Word? Just allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to me, not necessarily studying for anything, not doing my small group study, but just going through the Bible in a means in which God speaks to me and be open to the leading of the Spirit and the speaking of the Spirit in my life. Again, when it was through one of our women's retreats, I don't remember, I think it was... uh, George Bryson's wife, Debbie Bryson, I think her name is. Yeah, Debbie Bryson, who was the Bible bus person. Was it her? Yeah. And, um, you know, she was encouraging people, which she called to get on the Bible bus or to read through the Bible in a year. And I just saw the value of it. And that's when I started reading. You know, I had read the Bible and I've done devotions before that. But to get into a more structured system of reading the Bible every day. And again, God has used it in my life just to meet me in so many different areas. Not so much. I mean, it works in so many different areas, but not so much to prepare for my studies, but just to raise me up and to mature me as a born again believer because that process never stops. And so in order to be a healthy Christian, I've got to take in those nutrients from God's word. But not just from God's word, there's also got to be that personal prayer time. Not the corporate, but the time that I just spend speaking to God. Because again, in essence, if you look at the word and you look at prayer, there's a conversation that's going on there. There's God speaking to you and you speaking to God. Are you taking that time in God's word? And just as important, are you taking that time in prayer? We need to have those times, those structured times, and those times when, again, prayer will come when it's least expected. But there does have to be the structured time, the time that we have set apart, that we seek the Lord out. And so not just that. It's so many times in the Scripture that we see prayer and fasting tied together. Do you take time to fast? 
You take time, and again, fast, you can define the fast however you want it, but it does have to be a legitimate fast. It doesn't mean just eating less food. It means eating no food, and even if it's just missing one meal. But do you take time for that essential within the body of Christ to truly fast and to seek the Lord out for whatever may be going on in your life? Maybe a difficult thing, maybe it's another person, whatever's happening. But again, it's that which is essential for proper root care and then fruitful fellowship to be amongst God's people because we receive so much from one another as far as encouragement as far as strength as far as direction in our Christian lives if we forsake our time in the word our time in prayer and our time in fellowship you're not going to be a healthy Christian sooner or later you're going to wither and I thought I just think God obviously just in his wisdom put psalm one at the beginning of psalms sounds kind of a stupid statement but you know what i mean the psalm that is there it's so effective at the beginning blessed is the man happy is the man content in life is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly nor stands in the path of sinners nor sits in the seat of the scornful but his delight what is a believer's delight his delight is in the law of the lord And in his law, he meditates day and night. And that person, he's described here in verse 3, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its seasons, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. So this plant, because it is planted by the rivers of water, this plant is getting proper root nutrition. And because it's getting proper root nutrition, its leaves look good. It looks like a healthy plant. But even more than that, others are able to come and partake of the fruit of it. This tree in Psalm 1 is achieving its purpose. Unfortunately, this tree back in Mark chapter 11 is not achieving its purpose because it's not drawing the proper nutrition. When we were in Israel, we went to Engedi, and this is the place where David was hiding from, from King Saul during those days. <coughs> There's caves in the side of the hills that are there, and so some of the areas of Scripture where we see where Saul went into a cave or David was hiding in a cave, it just makes perfect sense. And also in that area, there's a little stream that flows out from the canyon, and it flows all the way through into the, uh, into the great sea that is there. As it does so, we can see that, you can kind of see it from far away, there's a green belt that follows that, that little stream. And I can just imagine King David sitting out there in the wilderness, the Dead Sea behind him, but looking up into the hills and seeing that those plants that are planted by that stream are healthy. And I can see how in Psalm 1 he could put that together and the need to be planted by the rivers of God's word. Secondly, to have fervent faith, you have fervent faith by turning to the object of our faith, God. In verse 22, Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. We can have faith in so many different things and so many different people, but unless you have faith in God, you're not truly exercising fervent faith because faith in anything else at some point is going to let you down. To have faith in faith itself is an attempt to will things into our lives or to force God's hand. 
We need to have that faith in our living God who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. We study the Word of God so we come to an understanding of who God is and what God is able to do. And we realize that God, well, for the Bible college class that I teach, we're looking at the life of Abram. We just entered into that. And what I see this man, this man was nothing special. Matter of fact, he was an idolater. He lived in Ur. It was a very evil city, or at least godless city. And so as far as basic materials, there wasn't a lot there. But Abram was all about what God has done. That's why when the Apostle Paul, both in Galatians and Romans, was looking for an example, somebody to exemplify um, justification through faith, you got Abraham who couldn't keep the law. Why couldn't Abraham keep the law? Because the law wasn't in existence at that point. So it wasn't by works. It wasn't by who he was. Because again, he was an idolater. He was the son of an idolater. But it was just simply because he believed on God. Because he had faith in God. Remember his name, Abram? Father of many? Well, father of many, he had absolutely none at that point. And later on, he would be father Abraham, father of many nations, still without any. But he trusted in the word of God, not in perfection. When hardship came, he went running off into Egypt and the difficulties that that brought. But nonetheless, his faith was in God. Our faith needs to be in the Lord. And our faith will be expressed through the belief that we have in him. Others will see that, our belief, and as they see our belief, they'll be able to make a decision themselves. They'll see the trust that we have in that which is the anchor to our soul. And especially how much more so as we see the hardships and the difficult days of what we experience in our society today. I mean, is it going to be your faith in some sort of politician? Some sort of politician that can be voted out the next time? Is your faith in some sort of Hollywood celebrity or sports hero or whatever it might be? I mean, you look at your favorite sports hero, they're just an injury away from, from retirement. And you just see how fickle man it, it truly is. Our faith is, is to be in the living God. And it's our faith in God that is going to get us through this life and actually even enable us to prevail in all that God has spoken to us. To have fervent faith, you have fervent faith through the spoken word. Look at verse 23. For surely, three times in verse 23, I underlined the word says. For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Why does faith need to be spoken out loud? Because the idea is, is you're going on record. I'm going on record as trusting in the Lord. I'm not just hoping these things. I'm truly trusting in God. And so, Pastor Mike, why don't we have a mountain slinging in our church then? Because Jesus just said we could do it. Well, obviously, it's built upon the will of God. And we understand the will of God to a degree, generally speaking, as we study his word. It's to go forth and to make disciples. So based upon the calling in our life, based upon your spiritual gifting in your life in order to achieve God's calling in your life, Are you exercising proper faith? Have you gone on record? And I'm just talking about going on record even just with yourself. 
Because when we go on record, when we admit these things out loud, there's an accountability in that. And then when we come alongside a prayer partner, or accountability uh, a partner, and, and, and to verbalize these things, there's something special about that. I remember I was talking to a friend of mine. It's when I was a children's minister. We were out in the parking lot, and I remember telling him something I, I don't think at that time I even mentioned to my wife, but I told him, I think God might be calling me to be a pastor. And he said, really? And I go, yeah. And, you know, I just kind of expressed what I believed the Lord was, was telling me and just kind of how I was thinking that I, you know, what I needed to do to go about it and whatnot. And then after I said it, I thought, I shouldn't have said that to him because now I'm going to be held accountable to that. But it was a good thing, obviously. At least I'm here. But it, it, it was a good thing to go on record because when you go on record, there's an element of accountability in it. And it can be so necessary for us. We will go on record when we go to get a passport. We'll make vows when we get married. When we testify in a court, we'll go on record there. How much more so in the things of the Lord? In Hebrews 13, verses 5 through 6, it says, Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be with content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, And the idea of the writer of Hebrews, he himself, God has gone on record. He himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So based upon that, we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? So you see how this was working in unison. God has gone on record. Because God has gone on record and what he has told us in his word, we, in response, through belief and faith, are able to go on record as well. Fourthly, To have fervent faith, you must be a person of prayer. Look at verse 24. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. It's in prayer that faith is directed to the proper place. It's not just a prayer of complaint out into the air, but it's prayer that you are well aware that you have the attention of the living God. In 1 John 5.14, now this is the confidence that we have in him, that we have from God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And so, I have the ear of the living God. You have the ear of the living God who is seated in the throne room of God. We know, because we pray, we've been told to pray in the name of Jesus, Jesus died on the cross so that your prayers would be heard in God's throne room. Well, Pastor Mike, I have this confidence that if I pray according to his will, he hears me. Sometimes my flesh enters in, and it does with us all. Sometimes I have a lack of understanding, but it's when you have that quiet time, and you take that time to meditate upon who God is and what God has done, and the situation that you believe that the Lord has led you to, to, uh, to pray for, that you would truly seek out the Spirit because part of the Holy Spirit's purpose is to direct your prayers. Now, you can pray to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. And just pray, Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would direct my prayer in this manner, that I would be focused upon what the will of God is and in order to have a productive prayer life and prayer time, that you would show me the direction that I need to pray. 
We're told this specifically in Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27. It says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, just our humanness, if you will. For we do not know what we should pray as we ought, but the Spirit Himself, the Holy Spirit Himself, makes intercession or represents us, makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And so obviously God and the Spirit are one. And so as the Spirit is directing me, he's going to direct me in all perfection when it comes to my prayer time. And I'm able to have a confidence. There's a surety that has been given to this. I like how it says, and I've experienced this before, likewise the Spirit also helps in our weakness, for we do not know what we should pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. There's been times of deep prayer when I just didn't really know how to verbalize it. And there's been, now the prayer itself has been silenced, but there's even been a silence within my soul. But I also know and understand that I'm praying at that moment. And I really believe that that's a prayer that is directed by the Spirit as you give yourself over to the leading of the Spirit. And really what you're doing is you're just laying your soul bare before the Lord and asking God that His will would come to pass in a matter. Because if you're like me, you have a habit of giving God direction rather than just reporting for duty. You're giving God the details on what needs to happen, and God doesn't need the details on what needs to happen. And so in order to reduce my flesh, I need to invite the Spirit into my time of prayer, and God, as He enters in, will even direct the prayer according to His will. And it's then again that I understand and know that I have the ear of God as I pray. So we must consider, do we have faith in God? Yes, if we do, then we need to understand something that's very important here. James chapter 2, verses 19 through 20, it says, You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want... But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? And so there is to be a response to our faith. As we go through the list that I've just mentioned, and as we check those things off or we make an effort towards those things, there's going to be an outward response to my prayer and to my act of faith. There are two categorical types of people when it comes to faith. There are those who are just professors of faith, And then there are those who are practitioners of faith. The church so easily thinks that it glorifies God through a simple profession of faith, but then so quickly blasphemes him through a lack of practicing faith. God desires that we profess our faith. There's no doubt about it. We just saw we need to go on record, but I've got to follow through. As I'm asking God in faith, in prayer, Lord, show me your will, your direction, What happens when he answers that prayer? When he answers that prayer, you must move forward. So in that answered prayer, what is God going to do? He's going to leave room for faith. Faith is going without knowing. You know, again, Abraham, what did he tell him? Get away from your country, get away from your father, and go. He didn't say go here. He says go to a place that I will show you. And so he told him, Abram, just start walking and I'm going to direct the steps. That had to be a hard thing to do. He's leaving everything behind. 
He's leaving his security behind. I don't know what his relationship was with his father, but it seemed to be pretty close. He had to leave his father. His father still lived, I believe it was 60 years after he left. And so he went just simply because God told him to go. And that was, it was a pretty big journey. He went through just about the whole country of Syria and almost the whole length of Israel before he ended up in Shechem. And he even then bounced around down in that area. But he did follow through in what God told him to do. And so in the midst of our faith, in the midst of seeking God out in these things, I need to understand that it's the fool who professes faith without practicing faith. The wise man, the wise man does the will of the Lord. It's the fool who either doesn't do anything or knows God's will and doesn't follow through. In Webster's 1828 dictionary, a fool is described A fool is used for a wicked or depraved person, one who acts contrary to sound wisdom in his moral development, one who follows his own inclinations, who prefers trifling and temporary pleasures to the service of God and eternal contentment. The wise, they have the power of discerning and judging correctly, of discriminating between what is true and what is false, between what is fit and proper and what is improper. Wisdom is the proper, what is improper, wisdom is a proper, excuse me, application of knowledge. I want to leave you with this thought, these thoughts. We have such rich promises when it comes to the direction that God has given us. Now, Lord, What do you have for me in this life? And I pray, I give myself over to the Spirit. And I believe that God wants me to, whatever it is that God is calling me to do. But I'm not sure. And so, I'll never really be completely sure. Because God's not going to write it in the sky. He's going to expect me to take a step of faith. Again, if we look at Hebrews chapter 11, all of those went without truly knowing where they were going. They just responded to God's word. But the things that I do know is, well, Jesus told us in Matthew 28, 20, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Wherever it is that I go, even if I go contrary to the will of God, Christ is going to be there with me. Now, I'm not going, in this particular case, going in disobedience. Maybe there was just a misunderstanding Maybe I left prematurely without the knowledge, complete knowledge of the direction of where God has sent me. But as Jesus directs my steps and I start taking steps, and even if I'm going in a direction that is not according to the Lord, he's with me even to the end of the age. He's going to direct me to where I need to go. But the thing about direction is you have to be moving. God will not direct somebody who's staying stagnant. In Isaiah chapter 43 verse 2, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. So what the prophet is telling us is is that when you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. You're going to pass through the waters. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. You'll pass through the rivers. Now again, these were times of danger and times of distress. When you walk through the fire, that means there's going to be times that we walk through the fire, but you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. Why? Because he says, 
I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with you because when I send you, tell you to go from point A to point B, there's going to be waters, there's going to be rivers, and there's going to be fire. There's going to be these hardships, but lo, I am with you even to the end of the age. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 13, Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and new earth in which righteousness dwells. We so look forward to that time, but as far as now, the just, the just shall live by faith. Israel, they exhibited no faith. Matter of fact, they exhibited the flesh. They were even taking advantage of the people who were of the disadvantaged people. And they were doing it for their own profit. Again, God had commanded them to go and to make these sacrifices. And they were taking these people's obedience to the word of God and they were lining their pockets. We see there's churches, so-called churches, that even do that today. And God will deal with them. But as much as depends upon us, may we stay dedicated to, in faith to what God has called us to do. May we move forward And may we be always obedient to his call. Again, taking that time for the proper root care. It's something that is essential. It's something that we have to make sure that we are doing. May we take that time and understand that we are to have faith in the living God and not even of ourselves. May we know and may we understand that we are to go on record. Just vocalize what you believe that God is speaking to you. Hear yourself say it. Have you ever thought something? And then said it to somebody else and thought, man, that kind of sounds ridiculous. It's just because you verbalized it outwardly for the very first time. Verbalize what, at least to yourself and and, and prayerfully to a a friend or or, or brother or sister. and, And go on record in these things. And then be a person of prayer. Continue to seek God out. Pray without ceasing and God will reveal himself to you and all that you do. Father, once again, we just thank you, God, for your word and the direction that you give us through your word. And I just pray, Father, as we see this, it's just such a practical section of scripture. I pray again, Father, that the people who hear this message would truly digest it into their lives. And we're told, blessed are we, if we do these things, I pray, Father, that we would be an active people. And so, Lord, we just thank you that you have given us tonight. I just pray, Father, that you would bless us because we have come. I pray even now, Lord, that we would finish well in this song of worship and our time of fellowship, that we would be strength to one another. And so, Father, again, we just lift all to you, just praying for the remainder of this week until that time that we gather together again, that you would watch over and keep us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you all stand, please? A couple of announcements. Um, Sunday morning, we're going to veer off from our verse-by-verse study through the book of First Peter, and we're going to have a morning of praise and worship. Um, we have them from time to time. We just go through Scripture. The worship team stays up here, and we're just constantly throughout our time together praying and worshiping and just giving glory to God. We are having our leadership meeting this Sunday, 4.30. I postponed it from last week because of my voice. This coming Sunday night, we're starting the last book of the Bible. Not Revelation, but the last book of the Bible that brings us to the conclusion of the Bible. After Second Chronicles, we will have studied every book of the Bible. Next Thursday night, don't come to church because we won't be here, but we are having Thursday morning service. That's Thanksgiving Day, so we're having Thanksgiving service at 9 o'clock here at the church. 
And then Operation Christmas Child, if you're able to come and help Dee and Jim out, I'm sure they would appreciate it. And you can look at them and thinking, why would they need all the help? They've hardly got any boxes this year. Well, they've given out a lot of boxes. Thanksgiving's kind of coming early this year, and I think it's catching people by surprise. I have a feeling that, especially come this Saturday, I think they're going to be swamped. So they could probably use some help if you're able. Other than that, God bless you guys. Have a great rest of the week. See
Father, we do just thank you for the times that we can come to you. You give us that access by the shed blood of your son. So, Father, may we be a people that take advantage of that sweet hour of prayer. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen.